Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm Dr. Kelly Jones. And this is Big. Strong. Yes. Welcome to Big Strong Yes, the show where we share our journey of reading three books that are inspiring us to embrace courage, creativity, and the call to adventure. Rising Strong by Dr. Brene Brown, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, and Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. We are most active on Twitter, so follow hashtag Big Strong Yes for announcements and discussion. Follow me at Lonnie Diane Rich and Kelly at Dr. Kelly Jones. You can also email us at bsy at chipperish.com. And if you support Chipperish on Patreon, we have a Big Strong Yes chat room on Discord where we hang out and answer questions. But mostly there's just a wonderful community there where you can find support and inspiration. It's intimate. It's private to the Patreon supporters that go into that room. And you can go over 280 characters if it's you have been upgraded now. Yeah, on Twitter. <laughs> so join us at patreon.com slash chipperish. Yes, and thanks to everyone so much for the support that you've already given the show and for participating and playing around with us online. Um, as you know, it means so much to us, but if you really want to help out the show, man, go to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. It's the best way to help promote the show. Absolutely. So the reading we're going to discuss today is The End of Big Magic wow. from Part 5 Trust, The Scavenger Hunt Through Divinity and the Conclusion. After next week's Big Magic finale, we will be starting Year of Yes. So go to chipperish.com and search Big Strong Yes Schedule to find all the information about what we're reading and when. Yes, and the week after the finale, we are taking off. That is Thanksgiving week. It just so happens to to line up really nicely that way. Um, then we'll be back the following week with Year of Yes, which is going to be really kind of fun. We're shifting into another space again, so that's wow. going to be weird. New book, baby. <laughs> New book. <laughs> New book. All right, so next week we're going to have our big magic finale. We would love to hear from you about your experiences listening to the show, reading Big Magic. What have you been doing with your creativity? How has this been affecting your rising strong process that we yes. started at the beginning of the podcast? We want to have all of those um, questions answered by you. We would love to hear your voice. You can email us a recording from your phone nice and easy to bsy at chipperish.com or you can just call the hotline and leave a message at 302-643-CHIP. That's 302-643-2447. I believe that there's like a two minute limit that it shuts you off after a couple <laughs> of minutes. So, so you may want to write down your thoughts ahead of time and then, uh, and then share them with us there. So tell us what you've learned, what you've created, what you've gone back to with your creativity. We would love to hear your voices in the finale episode. So please get in touch by our recording date, which is Saturday, November 18th. Yes, so please. make those phone calls, please. We'd love to hear your voices. Yes. We really want to hear from you. So. <laughs> it would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Lonnie, how'd your homework go this week? Oh, well, you mean the homework that I threw to you and yes, you that homework. <laughs> gave, me, gave me a uh -huh. love letter to write to myself. And then I doubled down on that because I was like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I'll make it a poem. Right. I, know. Because, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when I hate poetry and I'm terrible at it. Um, so predictably, and I know nobody saw this coming, mm -mm. Uh, I didn't do the homework. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked. I'm I shocked. Know. I'm speechless. I know you're falling over with shock from that revelation. <laughs> um, it's been like a really tough week. Uh, yeah. I have to say that recovering from sociopathic abuse is such a long haul. Um, this kind of trauma just takes forever to process. And there are times where it feels like it's all going to be okay and everything's going to be fine and I'm on it. And then there are just other times where I just want to crawl in the fetal position and do nothing. And so this week has been like a fetal position week. And so I just did that. It, you know, I think it's all part of the process. I think if I wasn't having these, you know, tough low times, then I wouldn't, it, I wouldn't be honestly dealing with it, yeah. you know, because what happened is really terrible and accepting all of the things about that, accepting that the reality is what the reality is, which is something that I've been resisting for a long time, trying to find any, any excuse why a, a mentally healthy person would do the things that he's done. Um, but there just, there isn't there, there just isn't. I just like, I know what this is. And so now I've accepted that and I finally gotten to that point. Um, and, uh, you know, and you just, you have to push through, the low points, you know, you just keep 
going. It's the only choice you have, but it is really, really hard. And for me, just getting through the days has been just about all I could do this week. So I couldn't write anything, like let alone a love letter to myself. (laughs) So I decided that I've made my love poem to myself with action. Um, I, I bought fruits and I bought vegetables and I have been bringing them, um, for lunch to work so that I'm having healthy things. I've been drinking a lot of water. I've made tea. Um, I cooked actual meals for me and the kids. Um, I knit things and I bought yarn for projects. Um, I watched TV. Um, but most of all, what I did was I held on, you know, there are days where it seems like it's, it's never going to be anything but pain, you know, like forever. And for the rest of my life, every day that it's always going to feel like this. And I don't emotionally believe that it's going to get better, but I know it's going to get better. And so I just keep holding on and I keep pushing through. And that is my love poem to myself that I'm going to hold on. I'm going to get through and I'm not going to let this man take me down. That's not going to happen. So someday when it no longer hurts to breathe and to exist, I'm going to look back on this time and be amazed by the badassery I showed by not giving up. Absolutely, baby. And that's about as poetic as I'm going to get. Well, so that's it for me. <laughs> no, I, it's amazing. And you amaze me by that badassery all the time. And mm-hmm. I think that is a fantastic love letter in action to yourself. Thank you. Thank so, you. So I get credit, Dr. Jones, for the You homework? get an A++ on Thank your homework. Thank you so think, much. How was your homework? Um, I had a week, too. <laughs> yeah, I know you did. And it was kind of a bad week. And so I think... I sort of had a moment where I forgot that I had homework. <laughs> and <laughs> so the way this is supposed to work is one of us is supposed to have a bad week. Mm-hmm. And the other one is supposed to help. And we both had bad weeks this week. <laughs> we did. So this this did not obey the rule of, um, is this a generous narrative for your soul? And right. help is each other out. Like, the future this was like... Right. Um, okay. We've so, both been like, baby, this is the whiskey to go get. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this is like, let me just come and lay down with you in this hole. And exactly. this is how it's going to be. Um, so when I heard you say, I will hold on, I will get through I, that. I just, that's a mighty fine love letter and I needed to hear it too. Oh, thank so, you. um, creativity just couldn't quite get through as a distraction for me this week, yeah. mm-hmm. it, much less really focus on writing. Mm-hmm. Um, unless a shitty first draft counts, yeah. And if no, I can, shitty it, first draft, yeah. If counts. I can apply an SFD to my nanorama word count, yes. Then... All the words, all the words count. <laughs> everything you write, everything yeah. you write, it check during nano. <laughs> then you take those. Then words. in that case, even though it has absolutely nothing to do with my story, mm-hmm. maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe I did you some met homework. your word count. That's yeah. awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So. So with that super fun introduction to our week, how are are your reflections? reflections. (laughs) You mean all the time that I sat thinking about something other than everything? Uh, Uh Yeah, Yeah. Um, exactly. Uh, I have actually thought a little bit about about this, uh, you know, relationship between delusion and narrative, because we talked about mm. that a lot last week. We talked yeah. about, is this the narrative that feeds your soul? And then we got to the the section that I named the episode after, which is choose your delusion, mm-hmm. you know? And the thing about the idea of choosing your delusion is that it has the implication that what you are choosing to believe is not, in fact, reality, because the very nature of a delusion is that it's not real, is right. that you believe in something that is not real. And I like choose your delusion because it has a nice sound to it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it has a nice rhythm. It's a, it's a little poetic, you know. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's really accurate to what we're talking about. Um, and there was some talk on the Discord chat as well about the narrative that feeds your soul being a product of privilege. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that as well and really kind of trying to, to sit with that and figure out what I thought about that. And To choose a narrative that is in direct conflict with demonstrable reality, like uh, that racism doesn't exist, for example, because racism does not feed my soul, right? So let me choose a narrative where racism doesn't exist. That is not choosing a narrative that feeds your soul. It is choosing denial of like demonstrable reality. And I think that that is different. So I don't think that that is a function of privilege, although there are some times where you can live in a denial that is a function of privilege. You can sit there as a white person. It's very easy to be like, what? Racism isn't a thing. You know, it's totally a thing. 
absolutely a thing. You know? <laughs> um, so, I mean, there are some denials that you can choose that absolutely are related to privilege, but I don't think that choosing the narrative that feeds your soul is because what we're talking about is are those times when reality is open to interpretation. Right. You know, when, when you, there isn't an absolute fact that you can look to and say that is reality. So when reality is open to interpretation, which is a very big part, that's when you choose the narrative that feeds your soul. Mm -hmm. So when someone is abusive and you choose to believe that they love you and that the problem is you, that's denial, that's delusion. All right. Um, when something happens that might be magic or that might not choose magic, you know, like I think that's that's what it comes down to. I mean, if magic feeds your soul, if magic doesn't feed your soul, then don't choose magic. Choose whatever feeds your soul. You know, right. um, I wrote a book some years ago called The Fortune Quilt, which I deliberately mm -hmm. wrote in a way that allowed for a worldview that believed in magic and a worldview that might chalk it all up to coincidence and happenstance. Right. So the reality there, you know, in this book, is it magic or is it coincidence is completely up for interpretation. It cannot be proven one way or the other. And in the book, I never came down on one side or the other. I kind of left this in an open, ambiguous space. So in a circumstance like that, though, like, why not choose magic? You I know, I mean, that book. Yeah, oh, thank you. <laughs> and I chose the magic. Yeah. Did you choose that. to believe that in that book? Yeah. yeah, I think I did, too. I think I did, too. But I really was very conscious mm -hmm. of, of keeping everything open enough that you could read it in, in a number of different ways, you know. Um, and so the choosing of magic, I don't think comes from a position of privilege. I think that anybody can when reality is open to interpretation, when reality is not open to interpretation. That's when you have to face whatever reality is, you know. Um, but when it is open and you have a choice between the magical and the mundane, I think I want to choose magic. I don't, ha I haven't, you know, most of my life I haven't because choosing magic means that you're setting yourself up to a certain degree, right? Because right. what if you're wrong? Mm -hmm. What if it is mundane, you know? Um, but I think that, that generally I want to choose magic anyway. Me too. So I don't know. So those are the thoughts that I had this week. What about you? So I, I believe we can choose magic. Um, mm -hmm. And I've opened myself up to it in a lot of ways. And But the thing about that is I think sometimes there may be a cost for choosing it. Yeah. And that's not an unnecessary thing. Or maybe mm -hmm. we would never learn to appreciate the fierce wonder of magic. Yeah. But in all of this, you know, in Rising Strong and Big Magic and like learning to say yes to mm -hmm. like this authentic self and creativity and love and wonder and trust in the universe. I think I've also opened myself up a little to the cost of those things. And I was a little reckless with my heart and consequently am rumbling with some heartache <laughs> right now. Yeah. And so I was searching for a generous narrative of that pain for myself. And so I have decided that I think love is almost always an act of courage Mm -hmm. because that is a narrative that is feeding my soul right now. And I don't think that that's a denial of reality. I think it I is, think so you know, I think it is a generous mm -hmm. narrative of an experience of, of heartache. And although I got my heart broken, I also learned that I'm still capable of loving deeply despite building a lot of walls. And that is not nothing. Yeah. So my reflections this week have been on pain and the cost of love and courage, and I'm feeling particularly grateful for the comforting destruction of whiskey and music. <laughs> and and it's, you know, it's really funny, like right on the tails of our conversation of suffering last week, mm -hmm. because, well, I hate this hurting, like beyond the telling. Mm -hmm. Once again, I would not choose to trade this like knowledge for like a softly filtered light version of what I have learned, because there's still truth for me in the clarity of this and clarity matters. Mm -hmm. But that being said, if there is a donation center for the tormented artist, like they are free to come pick this pain up because it hurts like holy hell. Oh, um, <laughs> you know, and it, it did remind me sort of, of the idea of being tested by the universe. And mm -hmm. I used to joke about this, but I don't joke about it anymore because I think it's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> really, I don't joke about this anymore. Um, right. But when I started my doctoral work, one of my professors told me to be damn sure that I wanted it because a journey like that would come with a cost. And she wasn't talking about time or tuition. 
And I didn't really understand what she meant at first, but I did by the end of the program because there are some things that once you learn to see or know, you can't unsee and unknow. Mm -hmm. And so I used to tell my students who were adults like coming back to college amidst jobs and family responsibilities to be damn sure that they wanted the degree enough to fight for it because the universe has a way of making you prove that you want what you say you want. Oh, wow. You know, and I don't think mm-hmm. it's a matter of earning the thing or even proving to the universe that you want the thing. I think it's about proving to yourself that you want it. Mm-hmm. Even if wanting it opens you up to pain and vulnerability and truth about yourself in the world. And so I will say, dear universe, <laughs> even though you knocked me down well and proper and my heart is in tatters right now, I still want magic and I still want to trust and I still want joy over suffering And I still want courage and strength and passion and creativity. And above all, I still want love. And I am an authentic badass and this pain is not going to stop me. And if heartache is some kind of test from a smart-ass trickster in charge of the universe this week, it can bite me. (laughs) Wow. That's all I got. That is powerful. (laughs) I'm so sorry, honey, but... That's beautiful. Yeah. What you just said is incredibly beautiful, and I'm so, so proud of you. Thank you. I don't want to do this amazing. again, though. <laughs> I'm I just know, telling you, like, once is enough. It sucks. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully next time for both of us, we will, you know, maybe do a little bit better. Yeah. Although there won't be next time for me, for you. I'm, I'll just tell <laughs> no, you from the sidelines. I'm just I don't saying, have that kind like, of courage. I'm, I'm just telling you, like, really. <laughs> you look at, yeah. I'm like, okay, heart. Seriously? Really? <laughs> like, you know, oh, when I'm adding yeah. to my list of tattoos and I'm going, I know better? Like, that's mm-hmm. going on the list. Right. That's, <laughs> that is a contender. <laughs> because, damn. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. anyway. Well, that was really beautifully expressed. Well, and I'm, I'm incredibly proud of you. I think you've handled everything just wonderfully. Well, I'm and, incredibly and proud of great you. great insights. Uh, thanks. And I love the love letter in action. I think you're Thank amazing. You. Oh, I think you're amazing. All right. So before we make everybody sick with our mutual admiration society, (laughs) let's go into the reading. So the scavenger hunt, what'd you get out of that? Um, So I really liked this on page Mm -hmm. 240. She was talking about while waiting around, like for the next impassioned inspiration, she took care of the orderly business of life Mm -hmm. and started saying yes to small curiosities, which built into larger curiosities, which built into research quests. Mm -hmm. which then built into passion projects, which built into a novel. And I like this small, like small fire burn, you know, description of big magic Mm -hmm. because it works too. Um, And I love the idea of something turning into a research quest and that Mm -hmm. like fueling your creativity. And I also really like the idea of taking care of the orderly business of life as like taking care of yourself and that side of self care, especially when you're having the kind of week that you and I are having <laughs> that like <laughs> it's so easy to let that stuff slide and it's mm-hmm. so important and that it does have a place in your creative yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you? What did you think of the scavenger hunt? Well, I love, you know, the, the slow burn of curiosity, mm-hmm. you know, the low stakes of curiosity that you just follow it. You know, and it's it's very, very cool. On page 240, she says, the whim was small enough that I could have ignored it. It barely had a pulse. And there's something about that, that quiet whisper, rather than that big smack in the face, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that creativity will tap you on the shoulder gently, you know, and kind of guide you in a direction. And I like that she did that. There was this one point, though, where, you know, I had just been thinking about privilege because I was ruminating on this idea of, you know, the narrative that feeds your soul being part of privilege. And uh, and then I got to page 243, where she says, three years of research and travel <laughs> and investigation later, I finally sat down to begin writing the signature of all things. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so you have the privilege for three years to wander <laughs> around the world following this whim. And, you know, not all of us can take three years of indulging our curiosity like that, but that's okay. And Elizabeth Gilbert can, and that's okay. Like, I understand mm-hmm. that this reflects her privilege. Um, but again, like, you look at that and you think, well, that's a lot of privilege. And so you kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater. But the fact is that 
you don't need privilege to be able to kind of follow your curiosity and follow the things that fascinate you. Right. And I think she sets a good example like that. You don't have to do it exactly the way that Elizabeth Gilbert does. Very, very few of us, I think, can do it the way no. Elizabeth Gilbert does. Yes. Um, but there are other things that we can do to follow our whims. I mean, mm -hmm. most of us have access to the Internet. If you're listening to this without access to the Internet, then I am fascinated. Please tell me the story. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, libraries are free, you know, yeah. like so. So you do have access to ways to, to, you know, pursue your curiosity. Mm -hmm. And um, no matter, you know, what your level of privilege, if you want it, you know, if you want it, you can chase it. So, you know. You know. It was funny. I used to keep this, like, totally random journal. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, like, a thought journal, and it wasn't a poetry journal. And it was just a, like, hey, this is a random thing that is interesting kind of journal. Right. And it had no rhyme or reason to it. And I've found myself kind of doing that again lately. Um, and like today I was practicing the piano and I was mm -hmm. thinking about you and you talking about your natural shape yeah. um, because I have no idea like what my natural shape is. And I started wondering about that and I was like, mm -hmm. what if my natural shape is a treble clef? <laughs> like, <laughs> what like would that, that mean? Because, you know, I was like studying the the right. symbols, right? Trying to learn this musical notes and trying to learn how to read it better and all this kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. then I was like, why is it called that? Where did it come from? Like, why is that the name? And it was like this fun little 10 minute dive into why musical symbols are called what they're called. Mm -hmm. And and I just started like jotting down interesting facts about, Ooh. you know, I have no idea if I'm going to do anything with that. it. I don't know. But that's really cool though. Yeah. So now you know, there's just like this yeah. Yeah, interesting thing journal mm -hmm. sitting on the piano yeah but it was fun and I don't do that as much as I used to and I think I need to do that more I like that I think that is a really cool idea you know and that moves us into of course our next segment in the book that's interesting that's interesting <laughs> <laughs> and I just love how many ways you can interpret that expression exactly like, that's interesting so what did you think about this um, so I also am drawn to people with boundless curiosity. Mm -hmm. I especially loved the description on page 246. when she said, I like that Bruce Springsteen doesn't merely create epic stadium anthems, but once wrote an entire album based on a John Steinbeck novel. Yes. Um, and of course, that's the ghost of, of Tom Joad from The Grapes of Wrath. And if you have never listened to that album, you should, because it's mm -hmm. a complete diversion from all of Springsteen's other work. And it's really cool. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I really like the, the idea of interesting versus awful and, and yeah. the, the danger of stopping short, you know. Mm -hmm. And she had talked about kind of like meditation and how people stop. And I've always wanted to learn to meditate, but my mind is never silent or still, except perhaps in the presence of things that are not altogether healthy. So <laughs> like <laughs> I think sometimes music helps, but it's not really meditation. Yeah. And I'd like to learn you know, mm -hmm. and, but when you're learning something hard or difficult, like something that pushes you to the edge of yourself or to the edge of your understanding, mm -hmm. like that's where courage comes in. Yeah. And I really liked the quote on page 247 it said, whatever it is you are pursuing, whatever it is you are seeking, whatever it is you are creating, be careful not to quit too soon. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me of learning how to dive. Yeah. So when I was mm -hmm. about nine years old, I took a lot of swimming lessons. And part of that was learning how to dive. And mm -hmm. I couldn't do it. So like I would stand on the edge of the pool and I would bend and I would curve my arms and I would bow my head and I would freeze. And then after a minute, I would straighten up and just jump in. <laughs> like every time. Because I just did not believe that my body was capable of executing the graceful dive that I envisioned in my head. And mm -hmm. I could not make myself move. And so, like, after a solid week of this, my teacher got so exasperated with me that she went and got a broom and stood beside me, and she held the broomstick at my waist. And she was like, child, we are standing here until you dive over this broom. <laughs> and I don't care what it looks like. Your only job is to lift your body over this broom, pretend it is on fire. Uh-huh. And that worked. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> so, All like, right. after that... I got pretty good at diving and I learned how to add grace to the movement after I learned how to actually 
make myself do it thing right you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so I really like the quote too from Pastor Rob Bell that said don't rush through the experiences and circumstances that have the most capacity to transform you yeah because I think our tendency is either okay this is really hard I'm going to stop or Mm -hmm. this is incredibly painful let me get through it as fast as humanly possible right so I really like this section a lot (laughs) what about you what did you get out of it I liked it too. I mean, I like that she she had that. Was it sometimes I think the difference between a tormented creative life and a tranquil creative life is nothing more than the difference between the word awful and the word interesting. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I I liked that. And more and more I think that this is the the torment that Elizabeth Gilbert is talking about. I mean, it's not that suffering doesn't happen in life or that you have to write from a place of lightness and cheer. Um, but rather that you don't need your creativity to pile on more torment on top of whatever else you're already going through. (laughs) You can choose to not let your creativity add on to that. And you can go to your creativity for solace and for peace simply by thinking of these things as interesting Mm -hmm. rather than, you know, horrible and and terrible and, and, and feeding on that drama. Now, granted, a lot of us fiction writers tend to be kind of drama queens anyway to a certain degree so <laughs> sometimes we like to play that shit up and you know that's okay fair enough but um but I thought that was also um like interesting how she she kind of moved that into the idea of meditation you know um because I have tried meditating like a number of times but I mean I seriously like I cannot have silence I think this is probably a bad sign that there is something (laughs) really wrong with me there's nothing Um, wrong with you no because me left with my own thoughts is is too overwhelming it's too hard I literally sleep with headphones in listening to podcasts because Mm -hmm. I cannot have my own thoughts if I sit with my thoughts it it's just it's too much and I've been like that for years I mean not just since this particular trauma well there's nothing wrong with wanting you know yeah other there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you, Lonnie. I don't know. I feel like it's a bad sign. I feel like whatever it is that I'm trying to avoid is probably really, really dark. But, you know, <laughs> but whatever. What are you going to do, right? Um, so, I, you know, I would like to try to meditate. I definitely have tried, you know, a few mm-hmm. different times um, to meditate with varying degrees of success. But I think the thing about meditation, I mean, what I have heard from people is that it's not that you need to silence your mind. It's not like your mind needs to be silent. But you need to be aware You just need to sit and be aware of your thoughts and say, Mm -hmm. hey, that's a thought and Mm -hmm. just let it go, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like practice if your mind can't be silent, because I think eventually you get to the point where your mind is silent, like when you're really, really good at it. But if your mind can't be silent, at least be aware of what your mind is doing. Watch it, you know, and find it interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that maybe that is the key to getting to that that mentally quiet place, you know, because I don't think I've I don't think I've been in a mentally quiet place for seriously years, like I years. I don't think I've been in a mentally quiet place since I was born. So <laughs> if you figure that shit out, please come teach me. <laughs> I will absolutely let you know. Yeah. Um, so the next segment we have here is uh, Hungry Ghosts, mm-hmm. which is a concept that I've always really, really enjoyed. So what did you think about this? So I really loved this separation of soul and ego. Mm-hmm. She said her soul desires wonder and her ego desires only reward. So she chooses to tend her soul through her creativity, which is the most efficient pathway to wonder. Mm-hmm. And on page 250, she said, as long as I am moving in that direction toward wonder, then I know I will always be fine in my soul, which is where it counts. And mm-hmm. since creativity is the most effective way for me to access wonder, I choose it. Yeah. And for me, I am seeking awe and wonder. And mm-hmm. creativity as the direct path to divinity of my soul sounds so fantastic. I like that. <laughs> I love it. But it's still just difficult for me to figure out how to execute it you know like how do you actually do that like I want that to be true so so much I just don't know how to make it true (laughs) right (laughs) what's the path right where I am to that exactly I mean you talk about the delta you know if we go back Mm -hmm. to rising strong yeah and I can watch Elizabeth Gilbert and I can see it in action Mm-hmm. And I can appreciate it and I can intellectually understand it. And I think I can emotionally understand it. I just don't know how to actually do it. 
Right. But I think that like that's the first part, you know, you see it and you think about it and you're like, okay, that's where I want to be. And then eventually you kind of figure out how to connect that place to where you are now, you know, how to find your path through there. But, you know, I think it does. It takes a little while. You kind of have to to get comfortable with the idea of it. Yeah, maybe so. You know, what about you? What did you think of Hungry Ghosts? I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, I like this on page 246. She says, your ego is a wonderful servant, but it's a terrible master. Yeah, that was a great quote. <laughs> I like that a lot. I like that a lot. And the, the idea that an unchecked ego is what the Buddhists call a hungry ghost. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really, I like that imagery, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. Um, and uh, and so it's, it's, it's really, it's a neat idea. I like the idea of it. Of course, understanding, you know, the difference between ego and soul. You know, mm-hmm. and and the role that ego has to play because it does have benefits. You know, ego serves us or it wouldn't be part of us. And some level ego does serve us. But when it gets over, when it gets control over everything, that's when it becomes a problem. So on page 249, she says, without that sense of wonder, I know that I am doomed. Without it, I will forever wander the world in a state of bottomless dissatisfaction. Nothing but a howling ghost trapped in a body made of slowly deteriorating meat. Yeah, that was some imagery right there. (laughs) It it is some imagery. It really, really is, you know, And, and when you think about that, you know, maintaining and feeding and nurturing that state of wonder, that state Mm -hmm. of awe, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that is a really important part in in living creatively. I think so, too. And I I like some of the practical examples that she gave, like, Mm -hmm. you know, is this feeding your soul or is it feeding your ego or which thing is it playing on? Um, She really cracked me up. Like, if I feel this urge to start this Twitter war, I know that's my ego. <laughs> that's not my soul. <laughs> you know, so. if you're in the mood to call somebody an asshole, <laughs> right? Like, are. That's that not is an ego driven impulse. <laughs> you know, so I, I did. I I think it was a really great distinction, and and just to separate the two and really think about which one are you feeding or which one's driving you right you know into what end and and which one are you choosing to tend and I really like that idea of of nurturing and choosing which one you're putting your energy toward your energy into absolutely Mm -hmm. because I mean the ego is loud oh yeah ego is loud and it knows how to get your attention absolutely you know and the soul's a little quieter but I think that the soul is is really where, you know, where you have the most harmony, mm-hmm. you know, where you feel the most at peace. And the ego likes to rustle things up, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, so I think that, that it's it's a really interesting thing. And that, that hungry ghost imagery definitely stays with me. Yes, absolutely. I like that a lot. I like All right, too. so then we move on to do something else. Yeah. <laughs> Which I really like this. What did you think? I like this a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Um, on page 252, she was, you know, talking about, like, just don't get stuck or don't get hung up mm-hmm. if something's not working for you. You know, she was like, next, 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 always, always next. Keep moving. Yes. Keep going. Try try not to dwell too long on, on your failures. Mm-hmm. And I took this as, like, stay creatively busy. Mm-hmm. And I loved her description of Einstein and the idea of um, com- combinatory play. Mm-hmm. which I probably said wrong. The idea of, <laughs> I don't know if there's a right way to say yeah. that word. I think you just did it. <laughs> yeah, the idea of combining, you know, different types mm-hmm. of play, because what this yeah. is really doing is cognitively lining up different parts of your brain sure. with, with intention. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're opening up one mental ch- channel by dabbling in another. And she talked about Einstein playing the violin while trying to solve a math problem, mm-hmm. which immediately brought to my mind Sherlock. Oh, yeah. You know, trying to solve Mm -hmm. a crime while playing the violin. And I just loved that mental, you know, picture. Mm -hmm. But like, I would think of, for me, I keep fidget baskets. Oh yeah. With fidget toys in them um, for like my son and his friends while they're working on homework or if he has to read or listen to something because it keeps the tactile senses busy and it frees up that part of his brain, Mm -hmm. you know, or like I will map theoretical frameworks out on the wall Mm -hmm. because it just helps me think. You know, or mm-hmm. like I'll design an entire curriculum with post-it notes or yeah. if I have to explain a difficult research paradigm to myself, I will make myself write it out as a song lyric instead mm-hmm. of using oh, wow. like big words. 
Because if I can understand it in that context, I know I understand it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, I know this works because I'm flipping my brain around. Mm-hmm. But then on page 254, she said, any motion whatsoever beats inertia because inspiration mm-hmm. will always be drawn to motion. So wave your arms around, make something, do something, do anything. Yeah. And so for the creative side, I know this is true. Mm-hmm. And yet most of the time, I still don't do it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So No, I hear you. It's yeah. like truth, and yet I still struggle to, to actually bring it forth. Yeah. No, I can definitely understand that. Yeah. Um, yeah I thought I love the next, 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 next. I mm-hmm. love that because I think that's absolutely the way you've got to go. Otherwise, you, you can really get stuck, yeah. you know, and it's really easy to get stuck. Um, on page 252, she says, chop up that failure and use it for bait to try to catch another project. Oh, I yeah. love that. That was great. I love that. I thought that was fantastic. And and the combinatory play I thought was was really cool as well. And I do that. I mean, this is what knitting does for me. When I'm working on a book, I knit like a mad woman, you know? Huh, um, yeah. And so this is one of the reasons why you'll be getting a lot of knitted gifts for Christmas. So um, excited about that. <laughs> I'm working on your socks right now. Um, but it's one of those things that like I, when I knit, it, it, does something like I, I've got certain things that I can make automatically like I don't have to think about it I just do it my fingers fly and the next thing I know it's done I don't even have to think about it but it occupies that part of my brain that allows the problem solving part of my brain to yeah. work well you're you know? using a kinesthetic yeah. part of your brain yeah yeah mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, um, so I've been doing that for a long time, like, you know, creating things and knitting things and and all that. And I just like when I was reading this, I suddenly got hit with this inspiration that I want to learn how to draw. Now, I know a couple of weeks ago, I believe I was like, oh, I want to learn how to sing. I'm not going to learn how to sing. It's just not going to happen. It's way too much work. Um, I, I, you know, I was like, oh, I want to learn how to sing. And then I started like looking at singing lessons and going on YouTube. and, And I was like, oh, God, I don't even have that kind of time. I don't have that kind of time. I don't have that kind of effort. It's not worth it like you know how badly do you want it not that badly well (laughs) for the record I'm still Mm -hmm. I'm still working on it oh good for you yeah I'm so bad at it though but I still want it oh no good for you I don't even want it that bad (laughs) I'll just sing badly for the rest of my life it'll be part of my charm and my quirk um but I thought about like in this moment all of a sudden I was reading this and I was like oh I want to learn how to draw. I want to learn how to sketch things, you know, because I have always been just like the worst artist, like seriously, even stick figures. I can't do it. Right. Mm -hmm. But both of my kids are so like seriously talented artists. It is amazing the stuff that they do. And I'm like, you know, I want to learn how to sketch something. I want to learn. I mean, I do a lot of graphic design. I do a lot of stuff, you know, visually. I work a lot of, of visual things. And I'm like, you know, I really want to... Um, to like learn how, like I never learned. I had, uh, you know, and this honestly happened to me in math and it happened to me in art. I had terrible, terrible teachers in high school. Mm-hmm. Just my art teacher was a, um, was a lech and he would like say terrible things to the, to the girls, you know, mm-hmm. like sexual things to the girls. Oh, no. and it was just awful. Yeah. Um, and my, my math teacher was just a, a nightmare human being, like just awful. Um, so those were two things that turned me off to those particular modes of like math. I got turned off to that completely and, um, and art, you know, I just was like, that's it. I can't do this, you know? Um, but I think that if I, if I tried to learn it, it would be really interesting. And I have yeah. this app on the iPad called paper. Uh-huh which is really beautiful and it like allows you to do all these different colors and all these different medium and you can do chalk and I see the things that people create if you follow them on like Twitter they retweet like things that people actually drew on an iPad and it's unbelievable what they do you know watercolors and stuff it's amazing so um so I think I'm gonna play with that I want to learn how to draw so apparently I am at this point where I am just flirting with everything I'm like I want to learn how to sing now I'm not gonna do that I want to learn how to draw and then next week I don't know it'll be like the ukulele or whatever but I'm flirting with a bunch of different things and and, and I think that's all right. I, I think, think it's I fantastic. I mean, that's... anything, honestly, that, that gets me out of this. You yeah. Know, well, I mean, yeah. you follow your curiosity and see right. if it's strong enough to want to continue to follow it. Sometimes you don't follow it very far. Right. Sometimes you do one little drawing and you're like, hey, that sucks. And you move on. I don't sometimes know. We'll you just meet for coffee and decide that's enough. Yeah, sometimes you do. And that's that's, okay. uh, that's how it goes. That's so. just fine. I think it's great. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. We'll see how it goes. Well, speaking of like drawing and being all visual, that takes us into painting your bicycle. 
Right. What did you think what of this? You... Oh, I was going to ask <laughs> oh, you. No. I, I, I liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, you know, Clive James being this, this a playwright who had a play that like failed spectacularly, mm-hmm. you know, and um, was depressed by it and ended up painting his daughter's bicycles and doing these, you know, lovely designs and painting little stars on them. And then before he knew it, all of the neighborhood kids were coming in to get their bikes painted. Um, and that was what got him out of his, his like, creative depression you know and uh and i thought that that was that was pretty cool you know just just uh, pursuing a whim on a moment you Mm -hmm. know and seeing where it and it led him somewhere pretty cool and all the kids in the neighborhood were obviously quite pleased with this you know yeah um so i i thought it was a nice little anecdote about how different kinds of creativity can can help you with whatever like your main creative passion is and and i like that what did you think I liked it too. I thought it was a great mm-hmm. story. And on mm-hmm. page 256, she said, failure has a function. Um, because for him, he, you know, when he was painting all the bicycles, he realized I'm going to write about this one day. Yeah. And, and I like that because you never know like when an experience might come back to you. Right. Um, I know half the time, I don't know what I think about something or what I feel about something until I write it. Yeah. I don't even plan mm-hmm. to write it until I write it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think 90% of the content in this podcast, I had no damn intention yes. of writing until I wrote it. <laughs> and then you sit down and it just comes and, out. Absolutely. And it just comes out. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I like the idea that failure has a function. Um, yeah. Because then that means that nothing is wasted. Mm-hmm. And I think that that applies to things that you tried that didn't work out, you know, and it can yeah. apply to to pain as well. And it can apply to, you know, Hey, I took one sewing class once. And by the way, I did. (laughs) It was such a disaster. And like at the end of it, the teacher actually patted me on the head and she's like, well, honey, you're good at computers. (laughs) It was so damn funny. Uh, That is not ever going to be on my skill set thing, you know, ever. Um, but I tried it, and I tried it enough to okay, know there. that I will not, like, that's not going to be an interest. Oh, I lost you. But you won't ever know if you're... Are you there? All right. Uh, we had a little technical difficulty, a little glitch there, I guess. <laughs> um, but we are now going to hop out of Paint Your Bicycle and into Fierce Trust. So what did you think of this, Kelly? <laughs> well, I have to say... That I love a sense of irony as much as the next girl. But when you go from one podcast episode where you proclaim to the universe that you would like to trust in it, and the universe sits back and smiles and says, all right, little girl, and proceeds to break your heart, and then the next week says, how about fierce trust? You say to yourself, maybe I better sit back and shut the fuck up. Why don't you trust me even more now? <laughs> Like, really? How bad yeah. do you want it? Exactly. Oh, my God. Seriously. But Fierce just, trust. I mean, really? Like, let's level this shit up. Let's, let's just go for fierce trust. But I, I really do like, I do like the idea. Um, and she was talking about the difference between innocent trust and fierce trust. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And on page 259, she said, you were born to create regardless of the outcome. Um, what do you love even more than you love your own ego? How fierce is your trust in that love? Mm-hmm. And and it's a good idea. And and so I got to thinking about it in terms of creativity um, and not the rest of the stuff in my life. Right. And, and I decided that from the creative side, I think this podcast qualifies as an experience in fierce trust. Oh, sure. Because this was not outcome oriented. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I don't know how I would even describe the outcome of this, except to say (laughs) it's been (laughs) magical um, and and definitely life changing. But if you if you tried to ask me, is this successful? I have no idea. I don't know how many people listen to this. I don't know (laughs) how you measure the success of a podcast. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it would like I don't know. And that's not why I went into it. Um, and I would keep doing it if it was just you and me doing it because it's, yeah. it's a, a, I don't even look. Yeah. I don't look at the numbers. I mm-mm. mean, every now and again I do, but generally yeah. I don't look at the numbers because 
it's not about the numbers of people because we have a huge amount of engagement. So if there are 12 people listening to this podcast right now, we're doing great. Right. Because the people who are listening are highly, highly engaged with the material. And I think that that's fantastic. Right. So, um, yeah, Big Strong Yes was never about, uh, you know, big listener numbers for me. And actually nothing I've done has ever been about the big numbers. Mm -hmm. You know, none of the books that I've written, none of the podcasts that I've done. It's always been about doing the work and putting it out there. And on page 257, she says, there is no guarantee of success in creative realms. Not for you, not for me, not for anyone, not now, not ever. Will you put forth your work anyhow? Mm -hmm. And I feel like my life's work is a testament to, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, hold on. Mandy Kay. Yeah. My life's work is a testament to, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to need that. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, that's the other thing I want to learn how to do. I want to learn how to cross stitch so I can do like oh, really, really profane cross stitch. I would love to learn how to cross stitch. Yeah. yeah. No, I want to do like profane cross stitch. Yes. You know, I would like, like just, oh, world I would like, fuck it on yes, a pillow. I would that's like to beautifully yeah. embroider the F word on everything. Yes. Yes. No, that's what I want to do. I really want to do that. So that's a, that's a discussion for another time, but yes, you and I are going to follow our curiosity to that shit. Um, But yeah, like I've, I've always put my work out there, you know, I've always, and it's, and for me just having anybody, having one person, and this is the thing, like I've always said that the creative process is complete when one person receives what it is that you created one person, you Mm -hmm. know, and how many people, you know, end up on top of that. That's gravy, you know? Um, so for me, I've never, and that's part of the reason why, like I'm terrible at self-promotion. I don't really care. Like I've got a full-time job, this, you know, covers itself. Like we've got wonderful patrons who, you know, who pay me for my time and pay me for the equipment and all that kind of stuff. And they provide the support that I need to be able to keep doing it. So I don't mm-hmm. go in the hole with it. Right. But honestly, like the, the work itself is really the reward. And while I would love for this to be my only full-time job, you know, it's going to be a long time before I get to that point where that's a, a viable thing. Right. Um, I uh, actually, I don't know if that's true. I do love this work, but I really love my full-time job too. (laughs) It gives me a lot of stability at a time in my life when I really, really need that. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I just like, I I think that the, the result of the, of the thing that you create, you know, is, is what it gives to you in the process of creating it. And so big, strong, yes, you know, we're looking, we're almost two thirds of the way done, Mm -hmm. right? You know, we've had this incredible experience. Somebody tattooed on their body, Something we said in in, in our handwriting, which I think is just unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah. Like it has actually, we've done things with this and it has been an incredibly transformative experience for me. I know that it has for you. We've developed our friendship, you know, through this podcast. Like this is going to be, you know, a little um, souvenir of the beginning of our friendship, you know, Um, and and I love all of that. So, um, so, I mean, it's been like the hugest success. Yeah. regardless of how many people are actually listening right you know, for me yeah. yeah but I just I never thought about it in terms of yeah. will this be a success right I just thought of it in terms of am I brave enough to keep up with Lonnie Diane Rich and <laughs> and, and and the answer is yeah <laughs> yeah your work here has been a testament Holy to yeah gosh <laughs> but again then the universe will you know I swear to god it kicks back on its heels mm-hmm. and it looks at me and it's like ready let's see how you handle this Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um but you know going through this with you and and learning this process and and connecting with people and meeting people and hearing their response every time someone gets in touch with Mm -hmm. something I'm still kind of shocked yeah but like the love of the thing has has become the purpose Right. And it has nothing to do with success. And that was never in my head when I started. So I really feel good about the fierce trust of this work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. You know, and I've, and I've always kind of felt that way about all the things that I've done for some 
reason. I mean, I've had my, you know, my share of success angst, like anybody who's ever, you know, published, you know, when you publish with a major publisher, like you're freaked out about, am I going to get another contract? Am I going to get enough readers? This is going to do well and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's always really, really intense and really, really scary. But the work itself, like putting it out there has always been a fairly easy thing for me to do. And I think that, you know, as, as funny as it is, because I said how much I struggle with trust, I, I struggle with trusting humans, yeah. <laughs> you know, but like trusting creativity and trusting that, that, you know, I created this thing for a reason. And even if, you know, even if again, like only a few people interact with it, if, if it's something that, that they needed Mm-hmm. to interact with in order, you know, then, then I've done the thing that I set out to do, you know? And I think that, um, that for me has not been, been much of an issue. So the fierce trust here in this context of trusting the creativity that whatever it is that you've created, there's a reason why it needs to exist in the world and go let it do whatever that is while you move on exactly. to the next, 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 next. Exactly. So I like that. I like that a lot. And that moves us, of course, into Walk Proudly, the story about Little Brother and the lobster costume at the medieval themed party. So what did you think of this? I love this story so much. No. Well, I love this story because I would totally show up at a medieval (laughs) costume ball dressed as a lobster. Like, that is a thing that would happen to me. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. And when he said, I am the court lobster, like, I just fell in love with him a little bit. Like, seriously, the total joy in that I thought was absolutely fantastic. Um, And I love the quote on page 264. Um, She said, the ballroom is often more welcoming and supportive than you could ever imagine. Somebody might even think you're brilliant and marvelous and you might end up dancing with royalty. Like, it was just such a great (laughs) quote. It was such a great idea. I know. I know. I love that. And then on page 263, she has, what you absolutely must not do is turn around and walk out. Believe me, we did not come all this great distance and make all this great effort only to miss the party at the last moment. Yeah. I love it. It was that. great. It was such a great yeah. story and I loved it. No, I thought it was I thought it was very, very mm-hmm. fun. Um and you know, and of course I love the idea of this guy showing up in this <laughs> yes. lobster costume. Because you think about yourself in that circumstance and like I would be oh God, I don't know that I would have like I think I might have turned around and laughed. I like it def- definitely at different parts of my life I would have. Yeah. I just know, you know I like so statistically yeah. speaking, the chances yeah. of being invited to something like that and showing up dressed like an idiot for me are incredibly high. Like right. <laughs> it's just a thing that would happen in my life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I really love that story. <laughs> No, I thought it was really good. I liked his attitude about it. I mean, he handled it very well. And that is is the way, that is the the kind of response that we should all aspire to. And you know what? It does have um, a little bit of that entitlement sense to it, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I am entitled to be here, you know? Um, This this positive entitlement that I really liked and I thought was really good. All right. So that moves us into Divinity Accidental Grace. Oh, I loved this section so much. I loved this. I loved this with the dancers and just this, this Mm -hmm. whole idea of of all of this. It was so fantastic. Um, When she talked about the Balinese dancing and, and on page 267, she said the dances are intended to do nothing less than keep the universe intact. And I was like, that made me want to go to church. (laughs) I just loved it. And I loved the description of the whole thing. This Mm might've been my favorite section of the entire book. Um, this is yeah. one that I read and then I went back and listened and had her read to me um, because mm-hmm. it was just, it was like a fairy tale. I just loved it. What did you think about this? It is. Well, the thing that I thought was really important about this is that, you know, the, the meaningless dances become holy dances mm-hmm. because the holy dances had become meaningless. Yes. You know, this idea that everything that you put your creativity into does take on a sacredness, you know? Um, And I think that that was a beautiful, that they they built these dances to be, you know, just silly little things that they would do that had absolutely no meaning. But meaning attributes, you know, meaning accumulates on things. Um, and, And as human beings, we cannot help but bring meaning into everything that we do. 
And and I loved the idea of those dances, you know, replacing the old dances, you know, back in the sacred space. And it really made me look at the priests, even though I don't think this was their intent, but it was kind of cool. It's like as a very trickster, um, it was a very trickster kind of story. Yeah, absolutely. You know? um, absolutely. Yeah. I loved on page 272 when she, she kind of talked about the tricksters blurring the line between high and low and light and heavy mm-hmm. and right and wrong and us and them and God and earth and just the whole yeah. paradox of creativity and the whole thing was just beautiful and inspiring and moving and I loved it. I loved it too. And that moves us into the conclusion, which I love in its in its whole. So I'm going to read the whole conclusion because it's very, very short, okay. but it is fantastic. Yes. Um, creativity is sacred and not sacred. What we make matters enormously and it doesn't matter at all. We toil alone, and we are accompanied by spirits. We are terrified, and we are brave. Art is a crushing chore and a wonderful privilege. Only when we are at our most playful can divinity finally get serious with us. Make space for all those paradoxes to be equally true inside your soul, and I promise you can make anything. So please calm down and get back to work, okay? The treasures that are hidden inside you are hoping that you will say yes. And I just want to applaud. I love that last Isn't that sentence. Amazing? And I love it as the I last know, sentence I love for it this. Too. I love yes. it too. The treasures hidden within so it brings you us are back. hoping you will say yes. Right. It brings us back to what this is all about. It's wonderful. You know? Damn, this woman can yeah. write. I know. It's really good. <laughs> and I love it. It's, it's a beautiful callback to how she opened this too. Yeah. How she mm-hmm. opened the book and, and just the idea of, of you know, the, the most fun thing the universe does is sort of bury these wonderful treasures within us and then stand back and say, can you find them? Can you find <laughs> How's them? How's that going? <laughs> exactly. It's that Easter egg yeah. hunt, right? Yeah. yeah. No, I love it's it. It's really beautiful. All right. So what was your big idea? What was your aha moment from this? I don't know if it was such a big idea as it was mm-hmm. my favorite description of divinity. But on page 271, she said, in another example of inadvertent seance, it appeared that these Balinese dancers, despite their best efforts to be completely unspiritual, were unwittingly calling down big magic from the heavens anyhow, right there by the swimming pool. All they'd originally intended was to entertain tourists and themselves, but now they were tripping over God every single night and everyone could see it. And I just, I loved the imagery of this and I loved the writing of this and I loved the divinity of it. And I just thought this was a beautiful description of big magic. Mm Though it wasn't so much the idea of it as it was the spirit of it. And it just moved me. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. What about you? What was your big idea? You know, I have to say the thing that stuck with me was that idea of the hungry ghost, yeah. you know, that suffering comes from the ego and the only way to combat it is to feed your soul, mm-hmm. you know? So when we come down, I mean, we've been, we've been running with this idea, you know, for the last few weeks, you know, what is the narrative that feeds your soul? And it's not just about the narrative, it's about, you know, the shiny thing. Yeah. It's about the, what is it that feeds your soul in this moment? And whenever it is possible to indulge the thing that feeds your soul, do it. Choose magic, you know? Um, So that's the thing that like, I think has probably stuck with me the most and has been the thing, you know, in different contexts that I've been coming back to, I think every week on this. I love it. Yeah. All right. So what about your strong challenge? So I didn't really resist any of this because it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I'm just struggling with the inertia inside of myself. Like, struggling to put into daily practice the things I know to be true about creativity. I believe in big magic and I have come to believe it on an emotional level Mm -hmm. as well as an intellectual Mm -hmm. level, but I'm still living with it mostly in my head. So it's intention more than action. It's thinking more than doing. So I have opened up to creativity in a hell of a lot of ways, Yeah, you have. but it's still like being on that diving board (laughs) and I'm still mostly in my head. (laughs) Yeah. So I am resisting myself, I guess, yeah. <laughs> more than anything that, that was in here. So what about you? What was your strong challenge? God, you know, there wasn't really much. I think that the, you know, the idea of the accidental divinity was something that didn't speak to me that strongly. Like I didn't really mm-hmm. understand what it meant in the larger course of the story, except that, you know, you can approach something lightly and it's going to 
call down divinity anyway. That if you engage yeah. in creativity, divinity will find you, you know. But again, like divinity has always been the thing that I have connected with the least in both, you know, Rising Strong and Big Magic. You know, it's just, yeah. it's always been something that has left me a little bit cold. So, I mean, I like the mm -hmm. idea of it. You know, mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I think that it's it's just something that I've I, I, that I continue to struggle with, you know, that I continue to resist a little bit, but like not a whole lot. Like, I, I still liked yeah. it. I still thought it was good. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what is going to be your action this week? What's your <laughs> homework? I am so turning the damn tables on you. Uh-huh. Because... All I want to do is get out of my head and stop thinking so much. So you are in charge of my fucking homework. I'm in this week. charge of your homework this week. All right. Yes. Um. Okay. So I'm I'm gonna give you the same vague homework that I'm giving myself. Oh, great. <laughs> Which is a consciousness of the things that feed the soul. Follow the shiny thing, right? Remember, I've been talking about the shiny thing, and the shiny things mm -hmm. are the things that are just flittering past and you're like, okay, that's curiosity, you know? Um, so I want you to do the thing that I'm going to do, which is maintain an awareness, you know, look for the moments when you feel that pull toward the shiny thing. And when that happens, pursue it in whatever way possible. Okay. So pursue the shiny Sh thing. Pursue the shiny thing. Yes. I will be a Niffler from Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> I think that sounds good. Pursuant of the shiny. Yes. All right. Yes. Good deal. <laughs> so each week we end with a closing quote. Our closing quote today comes from my trusted source for divine inspiration, the Irish teacher and poet John O'Donohue, who said, may I have the courage today to live the life I would love, to postpone my dream no longer, but to do at last what I came here for and waste my heart on fear no more. Big Strong Yes is a Chipperish Media production and is entirely funded by listeners like you. To find out how you can support Big Strong Yes and everything Chipperish Media does, visit patreon.com slash chipperish. Thanks, y'all.